Welcome to another episode of Waynesboro at Work, a podcast where we interview business leaders and entrepreneurs to learn more about their businesses, the passion they have for their work, and a little bit of everything in between. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Joshua Foster, who is the Cybersecurity Operations Manager at Tiber Creek Consulting. So Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be aboard. All right. Now, we got ha- to you know, make this really official. Do you like Josh or Joshua? Uh, Joshua. Joshua. Okay, perfect. We will do that then for the rest of the episode. So um, I'm really excited to have you here because um, I want to learn more about Tiber Creek Consulting, but I also was able to interview Dan O'Brien um, with Blue Ridge Community College. Um, in our previous episode, and he told me all about the cybersecurity apprenticeship program. And I know you guys are really closely linked in what you're doing. So I want to get into all of those details. But to get us started, um, tell me about what Tiber Creek Consulting does overall. Certainly. Um, overall, Tiber Creek Consulting is a federal contractor company. Um, we provide software engineering, software development, and information assurance services to federal agencies and commercial clients as well, um, using a lot of different frameworks for cybersecurity services. We're able to help our clients meet their cybersecurity and software development needs. Gotcha. And I know you guys work um, with uh, military contracts as well. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Um, we work with Army, Navy, DHS, um, uh, Army Reserve. Um, yeah, just pick an acronym. I'm pretty sure we probably do a little <laughs> bit of work for everybody. Right, right. And I know that you are also um, the COO of another project within Tiber Creek Consulting. Um, so tell me a little bit about what's going on with that. It sounds like you're wearing uh, multiple hats here. Definitely. And that is sort of the foundation of Tiber Creek. We, everyone sort of wears multiple hats. Um, we're a cross matrix organization. So um, we do a little bit of everything on a, a employee level, but um, our project is uh, IntelliGRC and it um, stands for the Intelligent Governance Risk Management and Compliance Solution. Um, what we typically uh, like to tell customers and uh, prospective clients is that um, you can look at us as like an example with TurboTax, you know, um, we're, we're software as a service application that if you ask questions, um, uh, upload documentation, you're able to then provide that sort of um, quick, seamless and cost effective assessment of an organization. Uh, TurboTax is great because they, uh, you don't need to be a tax expert to do your taxes. So we think the same thing of the cybersecurity market. Um, in 2016, we started development of this tool, and then, you know, now we're getting ready for our public launch. Um, so we're, we've been um, very excited to get this into the market, and um, a lot of clients have given us great feedback to sort of enhance the tool, and we're ready to see what we can do. Nice. That sounds really, really exciting. Um, so one of the things that um, I kind of wanted to talk through is 
so often, you know, when it, when cybersecurity comes up, I will hear smaller businesses say things like, well, I'm too small. Nobody would ever come after my business. Um, can you either affirm or dispel that myth for us? Definitely. And that is a, <laughs> um, a, a big dispel of the myth just because, you know, smaller organizations think like that. We've been in multiple conversations where it's, I'm too small. I just do this one thing and that's all. Um, but if I'm in a bad actor, or a, a hacker, um, I look at, you know, that organization as a piece to the puzzle. So if we're, um, an example I always like to give, if we're um, building circuit board manufacture or you're manufacturing circuit board pieces for a missile, I can use your circuit board engineering diagrams that I can grab from your network to then say that for this larger organization, I know at least this part of the picture. Now I need a couple more other small organizations to make it whole and then I can launch my attack. So very much, um, I think it's a, it's a huge myth and I'm, I'm always happy to talk through that. It's just because, you know, it's like, I'm small. I don't, I'm not valuable. It's no, you're very valuable and we need to make sure that we're securing your uh, network properly. Yes. Excellent. Excellent point. Um, I like that, that, you know, even the smallest of business can be a piece of a puzzle um, that a hacker needs to do something nefarious. So um, really excellent point. Um, so I know you guys, you have your office um, in Waynesboro. Tell me how that came about. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we had have had the office there for this is the second year. Um, we had started a partnership with Blue Ridge where, you know, through their cybersecurity program, um, they were giving us um, students from the program and, you know, facilitating introductions and we were doing our interviews and we, we kind of, I think we hired up to eight um, employees now from their program. Um, so with that success and how everything's been sort of modeling together, Waynesboro graciously offers, offered us a, um, a building on Main Street. Um, so we've been there for, yeah, like I said, this, this is the second year and, you know, it's just been great, but everything really starts with that Blue Ridge connection because without the candidates, without, you know, the, um, just the hospitality in general, we wouldn't be here today. So um, that partnership has been nothing but fruitful. Yeah, you know, in talking um, with the folks over there at Blue Ridge Community College, um, and for anybody that's listening to this episode, go back and listen to the episode before this one, and you can hear all about it, but they have a cybersecurity apprenticeship program. And, um, you know, as I was interviewing them, I was trying to find what the drawbacks were, but you're talking about a program where anybody, you know, whether you're fresh out of high school, whether you're a career changer, a veteran, um, you know, people that um, have come to this country as um, immigrants or refugees, women who are usually underrepresented in IT, anybody can um, go into this program. Um, there is a deep, deep tuition cut for the program. So you can practically go for free. Um, you can earn cybersecurity credentials. And then with in partnership with Tiber Creek, which is so amazing, you can actually complete your apprenticeship year. 
which um, is often a big barrier for people that are graduating with certification because even with entry level, they want experience. And so it's just, it's been fascinating learning about what you at Tiber Creek Consulting are doing in partnership with Blue Ridge Community College and then the city of Waynesboro is pitched in. So um, it must be really, really exciting to see this unfold. Yeah, definitely. And I think that what Blue Ridge has done has shown that, you know, you don't need to have um, an uh, expensive four-year degree or you don't need to be uh, a guru with a computer since age 12, um, <laughs> that they found the basis for um, it, entering this market. And they're able to show that with these students, they're able to get in, into the um, IT or cybersecurity space uh, with minimal background knowledge or um, experience. So I think what they're doing, you know, is just fantastic for the industry as a whole, because as you start to replicate with this uh, model, other people start to take notice and say, hey, maybe we can come down on that four-year degree and offer a two-year degree and, and make it a little faster because um, what they're doing at Blue Ridge has been so quick. And, you know, I can very much speak to the quality of candidates that they've, that they've given to us. I mean, it's been nothing but fantastic. So I think what they're doing is, is really great down there and they, they continue to have that success with the apprenticeship program. Nice. Yes. I, I, I know I kind of sound like an ad for the program at this point, but like I said, I, I couldn't find anything that was, was a negative um, when I was hearing about it. And so, um, yeah, this- I'm very much the same way. I yeah. think that, you know, when I first heard about it, I was like, where's the catch? Where is I, it? There is no catch. And that's why sounding like an ad, I mean, I, right. I get that. Cause I'm like, hey, there's no catch here. You know, you're just, it's a win, win, win situation. Right, exactly. Um, so the other thing that um, I wanted to uh, hear from you about is the many, many opportunities that are available within that cybersecurity path. So I know when I first learned about it, I sort of thought it was um, very much siloed. But in fact, you can take a lot of different directions. You can either even bring you know, your past experience from other career paths that, that you've had to the field. So speak a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different avenues. I think um, when you hear cybersecurity, the general perception is that, you know, there's a hacker or you have to, you know, program um, just anything and everything, uh, which it, it, it helps if you know how to do that, but it's certainly not a requirement. Um, there's a lot of different tracks. There's, you know, um, assessments and, and auditing. Um, there's uh, policy and procedure development, which is a huge need. Um, a lot of what we're, uh, a lot of our clients were finding out that um, policies and procedures are just the, the worst part of it. They almost, it's non-existent. So mm -hmm. just having that sort of um, English and background in basic like policy writing and procedure development could really take you far in a career based on policy development. Um, there's offensive security where you are, and that's primarily where my, um, my passion lies is offensive, is basically where, you know, you're kind of 
uh, simulating hacking, um, but I'm breaking into your system to tell you where your holes are. Mm. Um, and I, I personally find that to be just super exciting. Um, yeah. But there's also defensive where, you know, you're the blue team, which is stopping me from hacking in. Um, so I'm testing your processes by simulating an attacker. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of different components, but at, at the end of it, you know, I think cybersecurity, it could be, you know, brought down to uh, a level of you, you, you have a phone and you know how to secure your phone, wh whether it's introducing a biometrics to log in or face ID. If you look at that phone as an environment, that's what you're doing. You're learning about the phone, you're learning how to secure it, and then you just kind of replicate it to the environment. I think that's, you know, typically the analogy I like to tell people is once you learn how to secure something, you just have to know how to continue to do it and replicate through the environment. So um, yeah, definitely a lot of different paths you can take. It just requires starting and digging in to really get started. Yeah, and you bring up such an excellent point. You know, there's at this point when we have phones in our pockets, we have Alexa in our home, all of us are in environments where cybersecurity becomes important. I mean, that's just the era that we live in these days. Definitely. And, and you see um, with, you know, different environments that there's a, a whole bunch of IoT devices, like you said, Alexa, phone, cameras, um, but not a lot of interest or experience goes into the router. And we actually assessed the company very early on when we were starting and they had the, the router um, hooked up to a camera. And so, you know, just by going to their public IP address, you could see their camera. There was no security whatsoever. Yeah, um, yeah that was just a terrible, you know, it was just an awful example. But, you know, we're happy to say, hey, you need to close this right now. But then you think about what else could could there be out there when you don't have that basic knowledge of, okay, I need to make sure that this is password protected. I need to make sure that I have logging to know if someone is trying to access my Gmail or, you know, whatever it is, um, that there's those baseline security concepts in place. Right, right. And I know that there are some um, things that can actually help businesses get started, whether they're a small business or what their, their case may be. Tell me a little bit of more about what a good starting point is for a business that's that's listening to the, this episode and going, I could have been the person with the router that was hooked up to the camera, you know, because we've never really looked at our cybersecurity before. Where, where's a good entry level starting point for people that want to address this? Right. And, and, you know, we frequently come into um, scenarios, we're talking to clients that have the same, you know, exact sure. use cases. And what we typically do is, you know, um, we there's a national MEP, which is Manufacturer Extensions Partnership Program that each state has. And having um, access to, to talk to those um, program managers um, really will help you at least get the baseline of where you need to go. Um, I think that a lot of people, uh, a lot of clients that I've talked to, actually, they like to you know, read the controls and try to do things themselves to save money, which, you know, I'm all for being cost effective. So I definitely get it. Um, but we had a client once that they did their own sort of pre-assessment um, before we did. And their budget allocation was for the project in total was like $400,000. 
And, you know, we came in and I was like, no, 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 no. This is, you know, way too much money. And you already have some of these features. We just need to turn them on. So I think that talking to someone in the industry that is knowledgeable, um, that that should be the first step. Because if you try to understand it, it it'll almost seem like, oh, I have to go buy the software, do these things. But you might be able to kind of circumvent that with cost-effective uh, solutions. Um, so I would say to any small business to reach out to your um, it, local MEP's office so to see if they can point you in a direction. Um, there's also tons of resources out there. Um, there's a, you know subreddits and discords where you can just join and ask a question um, and say, hey, I have you know a laptop and I'm a single employee. Um, what do I do from here? Um, and, and the community is always very helpful. They'll point you articles and say, hey, you, you just need to, you know, talk to this person um, and they'll kind of point you in the direct, right direction. So I think that would be sort of a good starting point. And then you can know like the requirements are that you have to attest to. Okay, great. And what does MEP stand for? Yeah, it's um, Manufacturers Extension Partnership Pro. It's um it's a it's a national organization. I, I think I might be butchering the the acronym, but it's it's something along those lines. But they are actually um, for Virginia MEP. They're funded by the DoD, so okay. they receive the grant money. And if you contact your MEP, they can offer you discounts for services. So um, right now, if you were a Virginia um, business, you can reach out to the MEP um, local office, and then they can give you access to provide an assessment at 80% of the cost. So you would only wow. pay 20%. That's amazing. Yeah. So definitely, if you're a small business owner, an entrepreneur, and you're listening to this, head on over to your MEP and ask um, what resources they have. And we'll also put that um, information at the end of the episode as well. So thank you for that. Now, this is um, probably of all the questions, my favorite question to ask every guest, which is where did your passion for your work come from? Right. And, you know, I, I have somewhat of a, a similar background to the um, candidates at Blue Ridge where cybersecurity or IT was never really my thing. Um, I have my undergraduate in um, psychology. So I worked at a mental health institution and then, you know, preparing for grad school. Um, but then I saw the cost of grad school and then I thought, you know what, this isn't really me. Like, I'm not really, um, you know, liking the work. So I, I made that sort of transition. Um, and I, I thought that, you know, doing something that's difficult uh, to understand, but I'm able to apply a unique twist on it now that I understand the concepts because of my psychology degree. So I think that, you know, getting into the field has really shown me that um, it could be challenging and complex at times, um, cybersecurity, but I really love that uh, aspect of it, like understanding how things worked, how the nature of uh, interconnections or different ports and protocols and understanding why one is secure and the other is not. Um, I, I really just enjoy things like that. And then being able to have those discussions with other IT pros that will say, you know, uh, you should 
do this for your solution or you should do that. Um, it really helps me understand as everything as a whole. So I really enjoy that. And like I said earlier, I really enjoy offensive security where I'm sending, you know, phishing campaigns to employees and they're clicking on that link and I say, yep, gotcha. You know, um, but it's all good because then I can tell you where the weak link is and what to look for next time. So even though it's technically like hacking, it's a white hat, white hat hacking it's you know all beneficial for you know improving the security of um, a client environment right i can imagine that a psychology degree would come in handy when you're trying to like put yourself in the mindset of a potential hacker um, so that's really interesting and i think also um, speaks to the fact that if you are someone that's changing degrees or changing careers that some of your previous knowledge that you've had in those areas can really be beneficial. I know Dan was um, telling me about a, a student that was a nurse that is transitioning into cybersecurity. Um, how could someone like that, like how could a nurse transferring into cybersecurity, like how could her previous experience help her? Yeah, I think that, you know, everyone's a little different. So, you know, some people are more inquisitive, some people are or process and procedure focused. So I think finding the fit for each person, um, regardless of where they come from, or their experience is how, you know, you get in that right track. I think with the nurse, you know, there's different certifications in healthcare, like, like HIPAA, that you can bring um, that expertise to because you know that the hospital's internal practices and policies, um, and you're able to apply that experience as well. You just need to understand the technical components. So once you understand how things work technically, you can then say, um, okay, well, we can increase this process of using Meditech and we can change these um, certain things around when we log in, we can add biometrics and that increases the security. So you're then, you know, improve, enhancing that um, security posture by using what you know. So I, I think that, you know, just breaking in, um, regardless of what field you're in, I think that you're able to use what you know to apply concepts that might not have been, you know, um, there before. So I think that's definitely something that, you know, a nurse could come in and definitely change a lot of the hospital's practices and policies as it relates to cyber. Um, there's a lot of different things that goes on there. Nice. Yeah. I think um, it's also really interesting that, you know, you can pick sort of your area of interest to work within. So let's take the nurse, for example, you know, she's, if she's interested in health, healthcare, she can go down that track. Um, if you're interested in a place like the DOD or the Department of Justice, you know, there are all these different industries, organizations that you can work within. And the other thing that strikes me is um, after, you know, kind of having this conversation with you and then also talking with Dan is to me, it seems like cybersecurity people that work within that field, they're like these unsung heroes, right? Because when you guys are doing your job really well, the rest of us don't know anything's going wrong. Like we're just, you know, ignorance is bliss and you're protecting us and we're happy about it. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Does it feel like that to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, you know, I don't get daily pats on the back or, you know, anything like that. And it's actually, it's funny, like you said, that if you're doing your job correctly, there won't be any 
you know, it, there won't be any fires, there won't be anything, it would just business as usual. Um, so it's almost like, well, what are you doing? And it's like, well, you can't understand what I'm doing, but I'm protecting everything, you know. <laughs> right. um, but it, it's good in that way. You know, I, I think that, you know, having the recognition is one thing, but actually being there on the front lines to protect, um, I think that's where the real value is anyway. So, uh, you know, I think that if you're okay with not getting, you know, daily praises and understanding that the work you're going to do, uh, potentially people won't notice or even understand, but when you get into the community and you start to, you know, um, talk with your colleagues about how you're doing solutions, you'll start to feel that sense of, um, the accomplishment through them or they'll say oh that's really cool how you how you set that up could you tell us a little more about that and oh that's an interesting way you did that you know so then it's more of a peer-to-peer kind of um acknowledgement of your your good deeds and um i think that's really cool so they have you know big conferences like rsa where everyone just comes there and talks cybersecurity. so that's where you get your acknowledgement from there you go well i i on behalf of myself and and everyone listening we're just going to thank you in advance for all of the wonderful things that you're gonna protect us from i'm sure so well um, i can't do anything without my team so yeah. i would say you know pass it to the, my team and Absolutely. you know yeah, for sure. Um, so I know that, um, you know, Waynesboro has really welcomed uh, Tiber Creek Consulting with open arms. What is so great about um, choosing to do business in Waynesboro? Yeah, so, you know, one of the first things that we noticed when coming into Waynesboro uh, is that mural, you know, I instantly I see that mural and I thought this place you know has like some some soul it's a different feel to it uh, you know it's really good um, intro to the town and in the environment as well um, I think that you know the people are are friendly you know I went, went and got a burger and got some coffee on, on the main street and uh, you know it's just a really great environment um, and that's what to me leads to a successful business is a great environment um, if you say you know what brings you to Waynesboro you know I'd ask what wouldn't, you know, there, it's got everything you sort of need, you know, it's got the mountains are close by, you, there's not, you know, congestion, everyone's friendly, um, you have food, drinks, everything that you can possibly need. And then you set up office, as it begins to expand, you'll find that people kind of center and say, you know, that that's a good location to do some business, keeping our employees happy, let's go for a, a afternoon hike and come back and then get back to work, you know, it's just that got that feel to it. So um, I think that, you know, just having the presence there and just being in the community has been nothing but great for us. And I, I really just, I, I love the environment. Yeah. You know, and it's also interesting because, um, you know, early on it, there was kind of this idea that to work in it, you needed to migrate to a larger metropolitan area. And now you know, you can really work in Waynesboro, Virginia and have that quality of life, um, but work remotely for a company that is in a big metropolitan area. So you can kind of get the best of both worlds in, in what you're doing, it sounds like. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, with with COVID happening, we were able to, you know, everyone that was in the Waynesboro office were, was able to work from home um, and they have been working from home. So it's not so much of where you are, um, you know, it's just the, the point that you can get it done. So you don't have to move to, you know, Northern Virginia to be able to do, what, um, you know, assessments or any cybersecurity um, activities. 
Uh, so that's really been helpful. And I think that, you know, you can start to see that as, as people are finding out that, hey, I can do this here in Waynesboro, then let's just stay in Waynesboro um, and then sort of rinse and repeat. Yes, absolutely. You mentioned um, COVID, which is definitely something I want to dive into. You know, we're, we're all collectively having this experience um, and it's been going on for quite a while. So I'm curious um, how COVID-19 impacted what's going on there at Tiber Creek Consulting, but I'm also really interested from your personal perspective, what has it been like to be a leader during a global pandemic? Yeah, so in terms of the work, um, there for us, it really wasn't much of a drop-off. Um, we were always kind of we're, we're really flexible with our, our schedule. And, you know, we're, if you need to work from home someday that, that that's fine with us um, as long as you get the work done. And that's, so when COVID hit and we migrated everyone to home um, you know, it was, it was kind of just like, okay, it's a little more bandwidth than we're used to, you know, in terms of the connections and everything, but <laughs> we're able to increase and, and deal with it. So technically it was, that was the only sort of issue is figuring out, you know, um, how to speed things up and make sure everyone has secure connections. Um, and then, like I said, the work was, was just, it, we, we didn't miss a beat. Um, but as a, as a leader, you know, checking in with the team and really, uh, using my psychology degree, you know, I always like to think first about the person and their mental health. So um, being isolated for a, a bit of time can always do certain things. And I think that with, you know, with people at first, it's like, yeah, work from home. Cool. I get to work in my pajamas. But then, you know, in six months, it's like, oh, wow. You know, I really miss that commute, which I do now, which is weird for me to say, because I hate commuting. But, you know, I'm like, oh, man, I kind of miss it. So checking in on on, you know, the, uh, on the employees and, you know, make sure everyone's okay. Everyone on the team, um, you know, their families are all right, that they're able to, you know, um, just be uh, supportive of um, everything in general uh, as a team, I think brings us kind of closer together where we're, we're reaching out saying, Hey, well, um, you know, you want to work on this side project or you want to um, kind of talk about what's going on in your family. Um, I think that comes before anything. Um, and that's what Tiber Creek sort of uh, likes to, likes to, uh, for a baseline of their um, employee resources, we have even have the, the COVID leave where if your, your family member gets, you know, sick that you're able to take off to, to help them recover. So we really prioritize having that um, family atmosphere first and then the work. So I think it's been sort of challenging in that way because having to, you know, um, really just be able to check up on everyone. Um, it, it takes a little time and making sure everyone uh, one by one individually, uh, they're okay. But, you know, I'm happy to do it. I, I love to make sure that everything is sort of running smoothly and everyone's happy and healthy. Nice. Yeah. And the COVID leave, you know, that's fantastic. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming it exists in other places. 